We're continuing the uh, message series today, like Ben mentioned, called uh, It Takes More Than Me. And we've been looking at a couple questions that are important to ask as you try to figure out what does it mean to uh, follow Christ? What is Christianity all about? And so you may have asked these questions before. You may be trying to figure out what this picture of Christianity is. Uh, but really what we've been trying to do is kind of create this scene of the life Uh, what it looks like to surrender to God and how he leads us. And so he is a God that leads. He's not passive. He actually wants to take us somewhere. And we know how he leads as we get to know him better, as we read the scriptures, as we walk with him over time. And so the first question is how he leads us. We may have a different picture of how God does lead people. You may have uh, direct experience with how God has led you. You may have experience from how you've seen him lead people that you know or how you've seen him lead people through portrayed in the media or the movies. And so I want to take the time to kind of look at what does it actually mean for God to to lead us and what what is the accurate picture of what that looks like? So I want to kind of talk about uh, two analogies that uh, you find in the scripture that some of the time it gets lost on us. We kind of lose uh, what this analogy or what this picture is trying to show. And the first is how God leads us. Uh, as a shepherd leads the sheep. And if you've grown up in church, you may have heard this uh, as a young child. You may have practiced your ba even just, bah, you know, we're sheep. And it's hard to know what, what that exactly looks like. And we may have a picture like this, like maybe that that's kind of what it's like. Like we're sheep in a pasture. And when life gets tough, Jesus picks us up like this or the next picture here. Uh, you know, maybe when you follow Christ and you're sheep and he's the shepherd, you're kind of in a meadow and it's serene and it's peaceful. Well, what you actually find is as you walk with God for amount of time, or even as you live life with or without God, I don't know about you, but my life rarely looks like this, a meadow, just soaking up the sun, chewing on the grass and just trying to figure out what's next. It's, it's very rarely like this. It's kind of like I'm running bat, bat, what do I do bat? I mean, I don't actually do that, but that's kind of what life feels like at times. But what you actually find in the scriptures is that when God is talking about leading us as a shepherd, you find that a shepherd leads the sheep uh, in times of comfort like this scene to prepare for the journey of discomfort. A shepherd is always moving the sheep from one pasture to another. From one point to another point. And that's how God leads us as well. He leads us as a shepherd that while at times our life may all come together and it may be peaceful, it may be serene like this scene. There's actually a lot going on. There's actually a lot of difficult things that we face. And so this analogy of a shepherd is actually something that the shepherd leads the sheep in a way that they're prepared for the discomfort of the life that they may experience. Of the journey of traveling, of the pitfalls and the different animals that may try to get them. And it's true in life. God leads us as a shepherd, not so we sit in a meadow and soak up the sun, but actually that we are able to move from parts of comfort to areas of discomfort. And why is that important? Where there's an important principle as you look at this God leading as a shepherd. And that is God leads us into zones of comfort to be prepared for zones of discomfort. That's how we're prepared in life. And this idea of discomfort is something that we don't really wake up thinking, yeah, I want life to be uncomfortable right now. And I want a lot of pressure and I want a lot of problems to hit me because that just seems like that'd be great. No, a lot of times in our life, we think, get me away from discomfort as quick as possible for as long as possible. That's true for all of us. 
Discomfort is not something that we we long for. But what you find and what we've been looking at this series is God wants to build certain things in your life. That you cannot get any other way from the pressure of life. He wants you to grow in love. He wants you to grow in humility. He wants you to grow in forgiveness. He wants you to grow in integrity. He wants you and he wants me to be that person. But for that to happen means that we have to turn to him in every facet of life, in the good and the bad, and allow him to work in this character that he wants us to have. Because we can't experience and be the person that God wants us to be on our own. It doesn't happen. We especially don't know how to handle the times of discomfort without God's help. And I know it's true in my own life. When discomfort comes and when the pressure is turned up, I start to see how much I crumble within myself, how much I can't really handle everything. Now, I can handle it to a certain degree, and then more come, stuff comes. More stuff comes. This happens. That happens. And I start to, start to shake under the pressure. What God wants to do is he doesn't want us to break. He doesn't want to crush us. That's not why he made us. He actually made us so in the intense times of pressure, we'll turn to him and learn from him what he wants to teach us. So that's what we've been looking at. How does God lead us? Which begs the second question. If he wants to lead us like a shepherd leads the sheep, then, then how does he actually grow us? How does this actually build the things in us which God wants from us? And there's another analogy that I want to talk about. This may be familiar as well. This is the idea of family. God brings us into a family and he is our spiritual father. And we talk about that a lot in church life. God being our father, uh, this idea of family, we belong to each other. And a lot of times for me, it can become a cliche like, yeah, we're family, we belong together. See you next week. Right. But there's actually a picture of what God does that shows us the path to how growth happens. And it's not outside of the family. It's not isolated. It's not as an orphan. It's actually as we are connected to God himself as our father, that he begins to change us from the inside out. And so I want to talk about that as he leads us as a shepherd leads his sheep. And as he leads us as a father leads his family, this is where we find what God wants to do in our life, how he wants to take us beyond ourselves and beyond isolation, actually use us. And so God makes us a part of his family and, and it's a family that's with a purpose. And I want to share out of the book of Ephesians. We've been looking at different scriptures in Ephesians because it really does show the kind of life that God wants us to have. And so we're going to continue that this morning. If you have an outline, I encourage you to follow along. You should have a pen as well. Uh, it's helpful for you to take notes. I encourage you to do that. It's helpful for you just to listen. You could do that as well. You'll also see it on the screen. Ephesians uh, 2 says this. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. Okay. If you're a sci-fi fan, that doesn't mean like aliens from outer space. It means aliens that you're not a, uh, like an alien in the scriptures is somebody who's not part of this land. You don't belong. You're not a citizen. So he's saying, uh, so then you're no longer strangers and aliens. It's not that you don't belong anymore, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So there's a picture of what God is doing as he brings us into his family with a purpose. We're part of the household of God. And in the household are the people that belong to him as well. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Basically saying you're part of the household of God that through history, everyone who has followed him, everyone who has decided they can't live life by themselves and for themselves, 
Everyone who's decided that he is the God that leads. We become a part of the same family that through history, those people are as well. These would be the, the biblical heroes like Moses, like David. They're a part of our history. They're a part of our family, our, of our household. Then it says Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Jesus is holding the house hold together. He's holding the family all together in him who the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom or in him. Sorry. You also are being built together into a dwelling dwelling place for God by the spirit. And so when you decide to go God's way and do life his way, you become a part of this household that everyone who's followed God is, is a part of as well. This is the family that we're a part of. And this family actually helps us to kind of have a context for how life operates. It gives us purpose. It gives us something beyond ourselves. Where we realize that we're a part of something that's bigger than just the here and now. There's a history that's existed for all the people that have sacrificed, for all the people that have learned what it means to follow God in every area. And we're a part of that history. So this should be calling us forward. When you commit your life to Christ, you're actually becoming a part of a family tree that far extends here and now. It's built in the past through the foundation of Jesus Christ and it extends onto into the future. It's rooted in Christ. It's cornered on Christ. And it's built on Christ. This is the family that we're a part of. And this gives us purpose. And so I set this up, this idea of the shepherd and this idea of the family. This is really the way that we grow. Just like sheep are a part of a flock, they're not by themselves. The shepherd's job is to keep them together because the sheep and the flock, that they're together. They move in a bunch and they do what they're supposed to do, whatever the, the shepherd wants them to. And in a family, a family is a family as they are connected to each other, as they work together. They're a unit. They're a team. And that is the picture that God has for us as the church. We're a flock that just continues together, that moves together, that journeys together. And we're a family that's bonded together. And so the very premise that takes more than me is built upon the fact that you cannot live the life you're supposed to live by yourself. In an era of individuality and isolation, this actually should challenge and give us so much hope. Because God wants us to be a part of something that's so much bigger than ourselves. So I want to talk about that. What does it mean to be a part of his family? And what does that look like? So serving God's purpose, it brings meaning in life because we were made to. And I'm going to walk through a, a few things. We were actually made to contribute and not consume. You see a picture of a sheep and you may think, feed me, feed me, feed me. Actually, that's not the most accurate picture because we actually are not made that way. We're not made to just suck all the resources that we have in life and use them for ourselves. God made us to contribute, to use our energy, to use our strength, to use the power, our intelligence, every single thing in us. He has used and wants to use us to contribute to his family, contribute to something bigger than ourselves. So this idea of contributing, not consuming, it should challenge us because there's a part of us, at least in my own life, where I usually think, what can I get out of this situation? We're built on that. 
we want a great experience. We pay money for things and we expect something. We give our time. We serve and we expect certain things. Certain things should be a certain way. If we pay our money, our customer, the customer service should be at a certain level. The product should be at a certain level. And we think a lot of times in terms of consumerism. There's actually something much bigger going on. And that's how God made us. And it's bigger than just what we can get. It's actually what can we give? And I want to read some more in Ephesians. Ephesians 4, 15 through 16 says this. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. So this is the picture. It's this picture of, well, what if we want to do things by ourselves? What if we want to consume? What if we want to just kind of stay to ourselves, live our life and focus on our happiness and hope that that's it? The scripture is saying, well, rather, that's not the picture. Rather, speaking the truth in love, rather, there's something else going on here as you connect to a group of people. And what is it? We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. It's basically saying you're supposed to grow in Christ. While you want to consume and you want to maybe keep things for yourself, Jesus is doing something where you realize it's not about you. It's about him. And if you've been trying to figure out what... Christianity is all about. That's very simple, but that is really at the core of it. It's not about you. When you live your life without Christ, you and your own ideas and agenda, that's the focal point. But when you turn from going your own way and actually turn your life over to Christ, it now is no longer about you, but it's about him. And the rest of our life, we try to figure out how to how to make sure it's about him and not us. And it's a process and we learn and God is patient with us. This is what it is. It's growing in him who is Christ from him, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. Now, you see the same picture of the household. The great thing about it being more than me is that I'm not the one that has to hold everything together. Just like Christ is the cornerstone and the foundation of his house, he holds it together. He's also Holding the body, he's holding the church family together, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So now there's another analogy. We get the shepherd as he leads the sheep. We get the family as God leads his children. And now we get the third analogy. The body working together to accomplish So this idea of contributing, it's based on the fact that we are a part of a body. And just like the different parts of your body work together to do different things, I need my brain to tell my arm to do certain things, which tells my finger to do certain things so I can grab something. And all those things work together. And the picture of the church and contributing is one that we all need each part connected to each part to do what we were made to do. That goes against consumerism. If my hand basically said, no, I'm not going to grab that. I don't want to grab that. My arm saying, no, you need to. No, no. And then there's a battle. It doesn't work, right? Brain says it and it doesn't. It should be the same in the church. We all work together to accomplish what God wants us to do. Just like each body part plays a certain role has a certain responsibility to make sure the body functions in the way it's supposed to. So this is the picture we're made to contribute, not to consume. In fact, we're made to contribute to something bigger than ourselves. And we get fulfilled when we do this more than any other way. 
And that's a promise from God. When we do this and we, we decide that we're going to be rooted in him and we're going to allow him to hold it together, not try to control our life, we will be fulfilled far beyond any other experience, any other endeavor, any other pursuit that we have in our life. God promises that. And so when you commit your life to Christ, you're actually entering really a new working agreement with God where he is going to use you based on how he made you to make a difference in the world. Now that could strike fear and that could also fire you up. And it's a little bit of both. But the fact that God wants to use you and he wants to use me. Why? Because we're good. No, because as you enter a relationship with him, you get resources that you did not have. And he can use these resources to do things which you could not do. The picture is somebody who becomes a Christian and decides they want to follow him, but doesn't contribute. It's kind of like the person who goes to the hardware store. And sorry, women, that's the best I can think of. But, uh, you know, if you get you go to a hardware store and you have a tool belt. You buy this tool belt and you fill it with tools and the tools are all across on this tool belt. And you're kind of walking around. You think, man, I got these tools. I got a hammer. I have a saw. I have nails. But you never pull the tools out of the belt. They just stay there. They're like a fashion statement. You're just walking around like, I got tools. I'm ready to go. Well, what are you building? Nothing. I have tools. I'm ready to go. That's the picture of somebody who consumes without contributing. You have a bunch of tools, and this is what God has given you. You have a bunch of resources. This is what God has provided. But the point that we don't step out in faith, to extend ourselves, to advance what he wants to do, it's like leaving the tools in the belt. It's not effective. You're not building. God wants us to build a life in him that truly makes a difference. This happens in two ways. Talked about the comfort zone. Each of us have a comfort zone. These are the things that if we had our choice, we'd like to stay in this comfort zone. Uh, Maybe... You have a certain idea of how you want to use your time. There's a comfort zone of your time. There may be a certain idea you have how you want to use your money. There's a certain comfort zone of your money, uh, of your relationships. There's maybe a certain number of relationships that you want to have, and there's a comfort zone of your relationships. You can have this many, and if you have any more than that, you're not sure how you can handle it. There's a comfort zone of your responsibilities. You can have this many. If you have more than that, you're not sure how you can handle it. Each of us have a comfort zone or a cushion that we have to protect ourselves from the things that we think we cannot handle. We're all made like this. Each of us have a different comfort zone, but it's all there. What God is doing, just like the shepherd and the sheep, is he leads us out of the comfort, leads us out of the pasture where we're enjoying the sun, and he takes us on a journey to something far better, into a far better meadow than we experience now. That's the picture. So there's two primary ways he does that. That's from contributing and cooperating. So I want to look a little bit at what it means to contribute. There's two ways that God stretches us as we contribute out of our comfort zone. The first is to serve. And the second is to give. So when Jeep was talking about team up, that is a big part of church in the valley. Not just teaming up, but this this picture of we all contribute to make the church happen. Because if it was just the staff, that's what it would look like. And we would have the best downsizing campaign of any church ever. You wouldn't come back. And so God has wired people that want to serve, that want to please him, that want to use the resources that he's equipped them with, the tools that they have on their belt to make a difference. And it makes such a difference. 
And so in church life, as you serve, you look to the interests of others, you help out, you connect with people, you find out what's going on in people's life, you're friendly, you get rid of a little bit of your comfort zone in relationships and you include more people. You get out a little bit of your comfort zone in your time and you realize that you maybe need to wake up earlier or stay later to make church happen. These are all the practical ways that this plays itself out. We realize that God is extending us out of our comfort zone because why? Because that's how integrity, love, humility are built in us. We get the essential character qualities of God as we allow him to determine our comfort zone, not us tell him what our comfort zone is. Does that make sense? That's where we experience growth as we serve and give. Now, in giving, uh, this is also a big part of how God stretches us as you're a part of his family. Now, as I'm talking about this, this is really for those people who have decided to follow Christ. If you have not decided to follow Christ, you're actually not expected to serve and you're not expected to give. But by serving and by giving, you actually do experience in a real way who God is. And so if you're wondering what it means to follow Christ, pick one of these to do. Choose to serve, choose to give and see what, see what God does. You will actually experience how he works as you're stretched. But this is primarily for people who have decided, I am going to make this thing go. I'm going to work for God. I'm going to surrender myself to him. I want him to use me. That means you're going to contribute and you're going to cooperate. And so giving, uh, oh man, it takes us out of our comfort zone. We have cushion with our money. We have cushion with our resources. And when we, that cushion starts to get smaller and smaller, it just can weigh on us. But as you give and as you grow in giving and as you realize the resources God has given you, everything is from him. So it really is all his. And so you're really returning it to the person it already belongs to. When your perspective shifts, you realize that it's not really me. Okay, God, I'll give you this piece. But it's returning to God what is already his. It's a big part of stretching us. So in the scriptures, people who have committed their lives to follow Christ, you're supposed to give 10%, which is a tithe in the scriptures. If you've never given a tithe and you're trying to figure out how can I stretch to that, you, you choose a percentage that you can begin to trust God in, that you can choose in faith that I'm going to start giving this and ask God to grow my faith so I can get to that 10%. As you step out in faith and you trust God to fill in the gaps in your head and in your thinking and in your planning, especially as it relates to your resources, God works. God is faithful and he comes through. He's come through every time in my life. So serving and giving, this is how God stretches us. But as we step out in faith and trust that he will take care of us, he will not rip us off. We grow into the person that God wants us to be. So contributing, I want to talk a little bit about what it means to cooperate instead of to contest. This is how God also grows us beyond me. And cooperation is really this picture of we are a part of a group, right? Because we're a part of the body. We're part of the flock. We're part of the family. So we're part of a group. And so cooperation is crucial 
If we don't cooperate, we can't get things done. It's true for any group in sports. The team has to execute the game plan for them to win Uh, in business. You're executing your project and all the pieces of the project have to come together so the company can make money. Right. That's hopefully what the business is able to do. And in church life, it's the same thing. It's a group working together to accomplish what God has given us to do. And we do that by continually giving and serving and stretching beyond ourselves. But it, it takes cooperating. It takes us all working together for this to be done. I've been helping my, my daughter on her soccer team. And she's seven now. And last week, we were playing a scrimmage against another team. And I just started to laugh because I turned around and the defenders, my daughter was being a defender and there was like a goalie and two defenders. And I turned around and they were sitting during the game, talking to each other, facing each other. Like it was like social hour. And, you know, I'm thinking this, this is a game. What? So I turned around, I was like, I, 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 the first thing I just said, you can't sit. It's like, there's no crying. And, you know, you can't sit. And they're thinking, like, well, why not? Like, the ball's, like, way over there. And they're just talking. What I realize is this is really this great picture of cooperating together. See, they're a part of a team. And like any team, a team needs a leader. And just like my soccer, my daughter's soccer team, it needs a coach. And the coach needs to be able to say something like, you can't sit. You actually have to stand up. You have to look to where the game is happening. And as I talked to my daughter later, I think she's thinking, her favorite part is talking to the girls. So she was accomplishing her goal of the team. Just wasn't my goal, which is to win, score goals. Right, dads? We have different goals, but ultimately as the coach, we have to bring the team together. It's the same in church life. It's the same in business, the same in any sport. You have to have a coach that is leading the group to accomplish what it's supposed to. And so cooperating with a leader is very important to your growth in life. Authority, how you relate to authority is crucial to the life that you experience. That could be in your family. That could be in church life. It could be at your job. There's lots of ways. I can hear crickets. That's like the, as a speaker, you hear crickets. You're like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> that was funny. Anyways, we cooperate together. That's what I'm trying to say. But uh, learning how to follow authority is really crucial to life. And I want to just share uh, a, a few things. But really, cooperation means I'm, I'm willing to yield my way for the benefit of the group. Again, it takes more than me. I, by myself, is not what life is all about. I need to yield my way, my agendas, my goals for the benefit of the group, for the benefit of the flock, for the benefit of the family, for the benefit of the body, the church. I wield, I yield my rights for the benefit of the group. Now that's kind of sounds scary. But what you find is, again in Ephesians, I want to share, it's Ephesians 5.21, what this means. And you submit to one another, we're commanded to, out of reverence for Christ. And so this idea of cooperating is actually one of submission. That's what it means to yield. You submit, you you realize that your way may not be the best way. Now, if you're following an authority and you're really struggling under that authority 
It doesn't mean that you maybe suggest some things that you're thinking or some concerns that you have, but you have to figure out, okay, how do I do it in a way that's going to help the leader accomplish their goals? How do I do it in a way that's respectful to the authority over me? And ultimately, submission means what they say the group needs to do. You acknowledged it. Okay, I will follow that. It's your call. I'm behind you 100%. That's what it means. It may not mean it was your idea. It may not even mean that you think that's the best idea. But as you get the direction and as you get the picture of what you need to do, you're willing to come alongside to make it happen. Why? Because that's how we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Christ is the reason that we do it. Not even for the leader themselves, but because we revere Christ. Because this is what Christ himself did. He submitted himself to God to live the life that God wanted him to live, which included dying on a cross, bearing our sins, and rising again on the third day. He submitted to God's plan for his life. And so out of reverence for him and how he submitted to the authorities, over him, we, we do the same in every area of life. And so cooperating is another place where we're this comfort zone that we have. I'll follow this leader, but I won't follow that leader. I'll help out this person, but I won't help out that person. What you come to find out is it's really as you decide that whatever the cost you are going to submit out of reverence for Christ, this is where God begins to grow you and change you from the inside out. So he wants us to contribute instead of consume. And he wants us to co- cooperate instead of contest. There's another verse that you can write this down on your, your outline. If it's not on there, but it's uh, Hebrews 13, 17. I'm not going to go over that, but that's a great picture of why we should submit to our leaders. It gives kind of the benefit of why that is. So you can follow that or read that at a later time. In closing, I just want to wrap up with, with a few more things. And we've been talking each week about, okay, why, why does God grow us? What, why does he want to build this character in us? And I want to bring it together. There's really, what it boils down to is God wants to grow you and God wants to grow me to use us. That's why. God grows us to use us. He doesn't grow us so we can store up all the lessons and keep them for ourselves. He teaches us and grows us so we can take what he's given to us and extend it to other people. That happens by serving. It happens by giving. It happens by cooperating and making the goal happen, making the team accomplish what it needs. So this is really the picture. If you've been kind of trying to figure out what God wants from you, that this is what he wants from you. He wants your life to use you. Far beyond your own resources, far beyond your own strength, far beyond your own understanding. But he takes who you are and he maximizes your life as only God does as our creator. So he's made you and he wants to use you. We have a few hard attitudes uh, here at Church in the Valley and I wanted just to share uh, these as well. Each week I've been tying the essential characters that God wants to build into us to some hard attitudes that we have in church life. And these hard attitudes are these statements that we have as a church that are really important to us. These are statements that say this is how we are going to treat each other as a unit, as a group. And this is how uh, we are also going to participate in the church together. 
And so I wanted to share these just to kind of give some practical ways that at Church in the Valley, we take this idea of what does it mean to contribute and cooperate and apply this to what does it look like on a practical level. And so I'm going to share the, the last three hard attitudes. Uh, next week, we're going to kind of be pulling all this together and reviewing. So if you missed the first four, you'll get those next week. But here's the last three of our hard attitudes. Hard attitude number five participate in the ministry of the church. So this is actually one of our important and essential values of church in the valley is participation. Because of all that I've talked about, because God made us to contribute is the same thing as God made us to participate. And so participating in the ministry of the church is the best way to move beyond me and connect to the group, connect to we. That's how it it happens as we participate as we use all that God has given us to make a difference. Hard attitude number six, support the work financially. So we encourage people to give and to support the work of Church in the Valley because that's how it happens. That's how it occurs. It takes so many people that are willing to give so that church can happen. And so many of you are faithful in your giving and Because of that, because of all that God has wired together in the group of people, people who are willing to extend themselves, it makes such a difference. So supporting the work financially. I've got a couple people that have shared how these hard attitudes have made a difference in their life, how contributing and how cooperating has helped them to grow. And I've asked Mark and Stacey Klepsig, they they sent me an email with some thoughts and I'm just going to share the quote. But uh, Mark shared this about supporting the work financially, how God has used this to grow him. It says this, from time to time, we have chosen to give above and beyond to special CIV needs, short-term mission projects, or to support a trusted friend in the church. Each time we stretch and give more than what is comfortable, I feel more personally invested. It's rewarding to know that I can have a hand in others accomplishing the purposes of God. So Mark would share in this idea of the comfort zone. It, each time it's, there's comfort that we had, and he extended us beyond what's uncomfortable. And what happened? He had a vision for something that extended far beyond himself. And then the last hard attitude, follow spiritual leadership within scriptural limits. This is how we cooperate at Church in the Valley. We realize that there are leaders over each part of the ministry And leaders play a crucial role in leading each part to the mission God has given us. And so as people follow spiritual leadership within the scriptural limits, we actually can get done what we have. And Stacy Klepsik, Mark's wife, shared this. Years ago, I might have viewed following leadership as something I had to do to be okay. But now I've grown to value it as God's provision and protection for me. Proverbs 4.13 says, take hold of instruction, do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. I've learned that teachability is the only shortcut in life. So I highly value the spiritual leaders in my life and wouldn't risk making any major decisions without them. I feel more confident and at peace when I seek counsel on decisions such as where to live or work or how to parent my kids. There's many people within church that I have decided to live by these essential characteristics that God has given us by love, integrity, 
and live by these hard attitudes and it's made such a difference. So as you, you know, relate to people and you're trying to figure out how these hard attitudes actually work in church life, you know, talk to somebody that you know that's a part of Church in the Valley and they'd be willing to share. And I know for, for each person that has trusted God and followed him over an extended period and has experienced with him, they've experienced what God does as you move beyond your comfort zone. And so I want to encourage you. Take a thought today. Take some time to think to yourself. Am I ready to move beyond what is comfortable? Are you willing to get rid of some of the cushion that you have in your life? And is there some relationships that you need to open yourself up to, to be a help and to love people? Is there some things that you can do to serve, to extend yourselves, to help other people with their goals? Do you need to give beyond what you do right now? All these ways God grows us beyond our comfort zone. And I want to encourage you, think through just your, your next step. And there's some next steps on your connection card. Once you pull that out and uh, finish filling that out, in a moment when I'm done, we're going to be receiving our offering. You can drop that completed connection card in there. But on the back, on the left-hand side, you'll see just three steps you can decide to take today. It could be to, to join a service team like Jeep mentioned. You could fill out that team-up flyer. It's perforated. You can fill it out and drop that in the offering. There's still time to do that if you haven't yet. Maybe you need to start giving to Church in the Valley. You just realize, I need to start giving. I haven't done that yet, and I need to. Maybe you need to increase it. Maybe you need to choose a percentage that you just need to start with and ask God to grow your faith. I encourage you to do that as well. You can do that online. You can do that with those offering envelopes that are in the program each week. And third is, maybe you need to be easily persuaded by a leader over you. Is there a certain rub at work or just in the family life? Or is there something where you just, your heels are digging in and you're, Wanting to control a situation when you realize you're not being easily persuaded. And so ask God to show you that. And I encourage you to take one of those next steps. As you finish completing that, I'm going to pray. As the band comes up, we're going to sing some songs back to God and worship him with our offering. Let's pray. God, thank you for the, uh, the life that you you take from us as we give it to you, you take it and you actually extend it far beyond what we could by ourselves. You project our life way into the future with the impact than, than we can when we're just me and when we're just isolated. So God, thank you for the exponential growth that you provide, the power that you give, the love that you extend to us. It's because of you that we make a difference that is far beyond this life. And so I thank you, God, that as we choose to contribute and as we choose to cooperate, you really do stretch us and you grow things in us that we can't get any other way. And God, I just pray for, for those of us that just we're battling with our comfort zone. We're battling with the cushion that we have. God, just help us to see if there's anything that we can do just to trust you to extend ourselves to get a little bit rid of some of that cushion that we may have. So just show us, God, uh, we trust you. We know that you speak to us as we seek you. And so I ask that you will make it clear to us in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.